Hello and welcome to Teachers by Day, the podcast by teachers where we talk about life and all its craziness outside of the classroom, offering our unique perspective. I am Jeff, former corporate stooge for seven years of my life, current cinephile who can sadly, or maybe impressively, still name all 150 of the original Pokemon. And this is my partner in crime, fellow teacher, Lance. Lance, how would you describe yourself to our listeners? I got to describe myself as a former retail worker. I also worked in healthcare in the corporate side of things. And I have a unique obsession with all things office related and professional wrestling, preferably 90s wrestling. I can really, the amount of information I know about that is just, it's, it's kind of comical at this point. I think you and I have made very conscious decisions on what to store in our brains. And there's probably some important things that we've left out at the expense of 90s uh, pop culture information, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Right. I I would totally agree. I can, I'll make money some other way. I don't need to know. I, I, what I really need to know is the entirety of the Boy Meets World series from start to finish. Correct. You never know when you'll be caught in one of those like street game shows. And the question for a million dollars is like, name the original members of the NWO. And you're like, well, all right, I'm retiring. Easy. So as is the case with most shows, if you've seen Seinfeld, which I think is a great analogy for us or any other podcast, episode one, we're always sort of tinkering with the format. But what Lance and I and sort of the inception of this podcast and what we thought would be a great idea for our inaugural episode would be the very topic that really inspired us to start this show, which would be our corporate world experience and then what brought us to teaching. So we'll start with that. And then at the end, Lance and I have just something fun that we each found on the Internet that we wanted to talk about. Um, So this, for lack of a better title, is five takeaways we each have from being in the corporate world. And although Lance and I both came to teaching as a second career, um, again, from the corporate world, we each have kind of different corporate experiences, which I think offers uh, sort of a unique back and forth here. So Lance, I'll let you go first. And uh, these are in no particular order. It's not like a ranking or a countdown, but just five things now that we're teachers and have gained that perspective of being away from the corporate sector for a few years that you remember or that you have now reflected on that you wanted to share with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. What I first want to say is I think because Jeff and I both have a unique perspective in the fact that this isn't our first career, um, we can look at this through a different gaze from a lot of other people. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's a lot of people that go into teaching right out of school and they think that this is, you know, and, and teaching is a hard profession. It definitely is. But I will tell you, and Jeff and I talked about this before, the absolute worst day of teaching is about a run-of-the-mill day working in corporate. It's just a absolute beatdown sometimes. So uh, like, like I said earlier, I do have a unique perspective because I actually started in retail. Um, and retail, to put it frankly, guys, that's the wild, wild west. Um, that is a, a beast in itself. It is not uncommon for those people to be working 50 hours, sometimes 60 hours during the holidays. So please be kind to those people. Like they, You have no idea what kind of stuff they're dealing with. If you ask anyone that's worked in retail for longer than six months, they have some weird story that they can tell you about finding some type of <laughs> bodily fluid somewhere in their store. I can guarantee you that. So just the, keep that in mind. The internet has just ex- like let people see these things that have existed for a long time. Like, yeah, there's a people of Walmart, uh, I think Instagram and Twitter account that shows some harrowing things. And literally someone, even though that it's largely moved online, someone dies every Black Friday at a retail store. 
And, and working a handful of those, I can absolutely see why. It's a sea of people. It's ridiculous. If you've seen the movie Jingle All the Way, it's funny to watch as a kid as people trample each other to try and get a Turbo Man doll. It's less funny when you're the person working at the toy store who has to open the doors and then these parents are angry. Because obviously you run the supply chain for the entire corporation person working at the location on the oh, corner. Well, for sure. We would literally have people waiting outside of the gate on Black Friday days. And as you're raising the gate, they're crawling under the gate to get in. I'm like, it's you're (laughs) cutting aggro crag on family double there. Like, relax. You're literally cutting off 15 seconds out of your shopping experience by hastily Um, crawling in under this like you're on the freaking boot camp. (laughs) One thing I the first thing I wanted to mention from the corporate world is uh, people don't communicate on purpose sometimes. And what does that mean? Well, I have learned that a lot of times, I don't know why, I mean, I kind of do, but some people would prefer to give you vague or sort of uh, unclear directions on how to do something so that they can turn it into a teaching moment later on. And I've always said, and I still say this now, if you want something done, just communicate it. If you're worried of the response or what's going to happen, that's a whole separate discussion. But I've had managers and team members where they've left details out of things they wanted and then you end up at the end of the finish line and they're like, this is not correct. And it has turned into either a teaching moment or something that maybe new managers sought to do to see if you would ask the right questions. So if you're someone out there who's in charge of other people, don't use miscommunication or vague communication and instructions as a litmus test for people if you want something done just ask for it you know do you think that comes from lack of experience working on the lower level or where do you think that comes from probably the yeah, that i would think that like i can't tell you how many times uh i've had like a project due or something and at the end i say like well if you would have just asked for this i could have done it now maybe i would have had questions at the time or said, man, that's going to take a lot more work. But clear communication, even just in relationships too, man. And I'm not the greatest at it, so I'm not sitting here Mm -hmm. saying do as I do. But it just seems to be like a huge pervasive problem across the corporate world. And obviously I've been out of the game for a little while, but I think even the best managers that I had struggled with it at times. So if you're someone who leaves details out on purpose because you're like, all right, I'm going to teach a lesson when this is turned in incorrectly, like that's, please don't. Yeah. That's that's not the that's not the way to go. All right, Lance, right. what's your next one? Number two for me. Uh, this is again because my experience in corporate was I was actually in sales, uh, specifically healthcare, and I am not a salesman. I am I do not have that gene. I think some of us are either born with it or are not. So um, one thing that I quote a lot is Tommy Boy uh, because it's the like perennial movie of my childhood. Um, and if you cannot sell a ketchup flavored lollipop to a lady in white gloves. Don't try to get into sales. If that is just not for you, don't do it. Because when you're working a job that is primarily commission-based and you are not good at it, that money is not going to be coming in for you. And that's okay. It doesn't need to be that for everyone. Some people have it and some people don't. But uh, it just was not not good for me. I'm glad you said that because actually just totally by happenstance, that's my second one as well. If you're money-motivated – stay like i worked i worked in sales for three years before i moved to account management for the other three and a half and i worked with some guys that absolutely loved and got out of bed for that grind every day Mm -hmm. that like the hustle and the competition and the pounding the phones and it was something that i was into for a while and i definitely missed the camaraderie but like you said man just a beat down of like each month or each quarter it's like all you are is your number next to your Mm -hmm. name 
and I mean, things can go sour quick or things can go great quick. And it's like, uh, what have you done for me lately business? And Definitely. I just realized I wasn't as motivated by the, the bottom line or my W2 at the end of the day as I thought I was maybe getting into the corporate world. But if you are, then you're in the right spot. And like Lance said, if you're not, then sometimes it's like you have to order that food at the restaurant that you haven't had before to know you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Which it's okay, especially early in your career. Oh, for sure. Yeah, get it out of the way early. Get into, I mean, I always say try different careers and do different things when you're younger because you can always make the change. But yeah, I probably wouldn't have uh, fallen into teaching if it wasn't for some jobs that did not work out so well in my favor leading up to that either. Exactly the same. I, I love your next one, Lance. Yeah, number three for me, uh, making less money for a shorter commute is absolutely worth it. Okay, so just for background here, well, even where I'm at right now, um, I drive through one stoplight to get to the school that I currently work at. I have a four-minute commute right now, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Uh, when I was working in corporate, uh, I was dealing mostly in sales, but it was all based out of the East Coast. So I had to be at the office at 7.30, so I was having to leave the house at 6.30. Um, I'm also extremely into like working out and stuff like that. So by the time I left some days, if I was working out or something that day, I was not home until about seven o'clock that evening and that's time that you're just not going to get back. So if, uh, if you can choose a shorter commute for a little bit less money, sometimes it's worth that option. Yeah. I mean, to me, this sounds like very assumptive, like, yeah, of course, but I think sometimes it just takes you a while to realize it. And when I worked in New York City for three years, I worked in Midtown Manhattan, but I commuted from Westchester, number one, because I had a car that I'd purchased prior to moving there. I didn't want to get rid of it. And number two, moving into the city was like insanely expensive. They ask you for several organs and a promise to like your second born child to get an apartment. And I realized at the end of the year, I spent about 40 minutes each way commuting and I'm not going to crunch the numbers again here, but it is a horrifying number to look at at the end of the year, how much time you spent just getting to and from your job. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's good perspective to say that to now we can prioritize working somewhere that you live closer to because the time in your life is something you're not going to get back ever. No, no. And we did this stuff when we were younger and maybe we were a little bit more, uh, had a little bit more pep in our step, but nowadays, yeah. It's a young bucks game, the commute. All right, what was your number three, Jeff? My number three was toxic things that I didn't realize at the time in the corporate world. I think I've told you the anecdote before. Um, one time I had, I think, a dentist appointment. Uh, it, the office I worked at in New York was nine to six, and I had to leave at like 5.15 or 5.20 to go to this dentist appointment. And as I was getting up to leave, my manager knew beforehand, like anyone who it was pertinent information to was made well aware but I had someone in a position of power say to me, oh, half day, leaving 40 minutes before the end of the workday. And you kind of shrug it off at the time. But things like that just really end up leading to a toxic work culture. Another thing that we always joke about is places that offer a lesser salary, but some of these like uh, smoke and mirrors perks like bagel Mondays. And we have a ping pong table in the break yep. room <laughs> and things like that. Basically, the men- that mentality of like... We can uh, look at this shiny object because we're actually not able to do the things that really matter in a job, like compensate you or give you upward mobility. And then I think the other one, this is, I think, going away specifically with um, the, I guess, all the changes from the pandemic and a lot of the, you know, the surplus of uh, 
workers and that having more power now, but sort of the mentality that like we're going to die at our desk. We've obviously seen employee turnover, you know, people are jumping jobs anytime they find a better opportunity now, which I think is great. Back in the old days, like my friend's dad uh, worked at the same place for like 49 years. And it's just crazy to me that I, I feel like loyalty has to be a two-way street and it isn't always. Like your employer isn't always as loyal as you are to them. So I think people have started to realize that the past two, three years especially, which is an interesting shift. I agree. I agree with that for sure because you got to realize that if you leave, they're just going to fill your spot. I mean, exactly. you're just you're, – you're a desk for them. That's all it really is. Sadly. All right, your second to last one. All right. Time. Number four. Mine was keep everything in perspective. Um, most of the time, you know, not every profession, but 99% of corporate jobs, you're not curing cancer at the end of the day. When they're asking you to stay and work until 7, 8 at night, they're trying to hit you up on the weekends and things like that. Keep it all in perspective and try to have that that boundary and that distance between because at the end of the day, what you're doing in the grand scheme of society is probably not the most important thing in the world. Uh, sure, for some jobs, yeah, they're a lot more poignant and you have to be a little bit more on top of it with having weekend availability. But for the most part, you know, if you're working a, a typical desk job, check out at five o'clock and turn your brain off to that for the rest of the night. I uh, completely agree. And back when I was an account manager, I can remember like, even though I would leave the office, like my my clients would still need things. And like having a like Pavlovian response to hearing my email go off at like nine at night, knowing that it was someone complaining to me about something that I'm just one of those people that like I, I, I would have had a heart attack at probably 40 because I just I want to, but I can't leave that stuff at work. And so I think knowing that, like, yeah, you're right. We're not saving lives here. Like me getting you this data that you need, it'll still that email will still be there in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to a professional baseball game like two weeks ago with a former employee of mine. And we're at the game, and he's there with his daughter and his wife, and he's checking his work emails at like seven at night. And I'm like, fortunately, no. we don't have that in in the ed- field of education. No, I mean some people will, but I mean we're not getting hit up like you said. We're not getting hit up at seven, eight o'clock at night. Yeah. No. My second to last one, this is uh, for people maybe aspiring to get into management. So I've had several managers uh, before, some of which I I came up with in the rank, some which were already in place when I started a job. And Lance, I think one thing you and I love about the show The Office specifically is Michael Scott really does. I mean, he's caricaturized, but he does feel like an amalgamation of like a lot of different actual managers that we've mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Which makes it that much funnier. Yeah, I saw a, a meme, uh, it might have been yesterday, but it was like, it was if you literally met a Michael Scott in your real life, you would hate him. And it's true mm-hmm. from sitting there from the entertainment purposes. He's amazing. But if we actually had those characteristics in our boss, we would probably loathe them. So I kind of get Stanley's <laughs> sentiment towards him constantly. Yeah. Um, but I've really seen it. And this is a an oversimplification of it. But there's really two types of people that want to get into management. There are the people who want to coach and want to teach and want to help people. And then there are the people that want a putting green in their office. And I say that literally because one of my bosses, who I worked with, actually started b- below me in the company, ex- ex- uh, ascended into a management role. The day that he got his office, he brought in a putting green to set up there. And it reminded me of basically horrible bosses. Um, yeah. Just like, wow, this <laughs> this was really just like the next checkbox on your like accomplishments list and not something you got into for the right reason. So... I guess just make sure, number one, that 
what you're motivated by are the right things. And then maybe if you're in a situation where you're having issues with your manager, like, I don't know, what what do you think you need from them to help you grow in, in a career? Because there are those people that just want the, the title change on their business card, and then there's people that actually want to make a difference in a company or an organization. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off of that, who you have as a manager can also be a game changer completely oh, yeah. for you. So just keep that in mind. If you're working for someone that you don't see yourself working for long term, I'd start probably looking for a way out of that as well. It's kind of like a relationship, right? Like it really is. If you're like, man, we don't connect on any level, but you're kind of hot. Like it's just not going to go the distance. No, no. Romance will die very quickly with that. Yeah. All, All right. right my last one. Last one. Uh, this one's cliche, but it has to be said. Pursue your passions and the money's going to come. Okay. Again, we're in teaching. There's no, you know, there's no veil covering up the fact that teachers are grossly underpaid. But with that being said, would I trade what I do now for anything in the world? Nah. You can make more money in the corporate world, but if you're not happy, that's not going to last. Think long term. Can you can you imagine yourself doing that when you're in your 50s, 60s? Can you be the guy that Jeff talked about earlier that was still working for the same company after 49 years? If you can't, no. Bow, bow out. Go somewhere else. Yeah, and that's a hard thing to come to the realization of, but that's actually my last one as well. So basically try to see the end game in your career and not the movie, but also, yes, see the movie, Avengers Endgame. But it's tough because it, it is kind of wild when you think about when you graduate college, at least undergrad, most of us are 22, 23 years old. And you have to make a huge decision, like essentially what's the first domino you're going to tip over for the rest of your life in the corporate world. And like we've talked about, sometimes the decisions you make, you actually learn more from do, finding out what you're not interested in doing than, than what you actually like. And I would just totally echo what Lance said, like finding teaching as a second career is something that I feel like I can do for the next 30 years of my life. And there's no way that I just would have been able to make it in the corporate rat race for another 30 years. And luckily, I feel like I, I'm blessed because I figured that out, you know, before I was 55 or 60. And it almost would have been too late to really make a change. Agreed 100%. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I started teaching when I was in my mid-20s, so I didn't miss out on a large uh, part of my life. But, yeah, I can see myself doing this until I'm killed over. Yeah. All right. That is our perspective from the corporate slash retail world going into teaching. That I feel like that, that is, case in point, the reason we started this podcast and will definitely be uh, the underlying theme probably in almost everything we talk about in some capacity. Yep. All right, we want to close the show. Uh, we don't have a name for this segment yet, so if you have one, let us know. Um, basically, Lance and Jeff's favorite thing that they found in the world this past week, somewhat of an internet deep dive, a TikTok. I found something on Reddit, or maybe something we watch, just to give you a little insight into us as people. Uh, Lance, why don't you go first? What was uh, the thing you stumbled across this past week that you want to share? Okay, so I've been trying to get more savvy in the TikTok game over the last uh, couple months, especially since we're out of school. I've been investing a little bit more time on it. It actually has some pretty good stuff on there. But one thing that has been trending on TikTok has been, uh, tell me a scam that has become so normalized that you no longer think that it is a scam or you don't <laughs> even realize that it's a scam anymore. And some of these that they list are pretty amazing. Um, dentistry, chiropractics, the funeral industry, HOA dues. We've talked about that one. Oh, my God. Times. Come on. Everyone that's listening to this, if you own a home and you have an HOA on you, 
you've probably gotten some type of fee or bill or notice letter saying that or a passive aggressive like email yeah i i had an issue this year that i told jeff about where their hoa where they were coming by telling me that i need to replant shrubs in january in the middle of december or no it was in the middle of no it was january yeah it was the middle of january they said i need to come by and plant shrubs i was like you guys realize it's winter right and they're like well never mind you you can wait you can wait well, i guess um, that makes sense but uh the biggest one that i noticed was a scam uh for me that stood out was something that's exclusive to the united states which is sales tax how it's not included in the price of anything whereas i guess apparently in every other country it is um so we're sitting there trying to calculate what is this times this percentage to get us this number so um that was the big standout for me there were some really good ones um that i saw on tiktok but they're probably not all appropriate here so <laughs> maybe save some of those uh, for another time but yeah oh multi-level marketing sorry i can go on a oh my gosh that one, level but... marketing yeah that we can almost <laughs> the whole episode just on that one of the ones i like on the list you had was uh cups with so much ice that you only get four ounces of a drink oh yeah a drink yeah. that's true the uh the old starbucks have you seen that i don't know if that's actually a real thing or not but i have seen the where the two the venti the cups. And the are the yes same. <laughs> yeah that but stuff I, always blows my mind I, it wouldn't surprise me though honestly and, Another one that I wanted to talk about was service fees. Yeah. So I was buying uh, tickets to the, the game I was talking about earlier on StubHub while well, trying to buy tickets. And if you've ever bought anything on StubHub, concert tickets, sporting mm -hmm. event tickets, the difference between adding them to your cart and going to the checkout is absolutely absurd. It's like, I think they add 40% in different varying service fees. It's insane. And then, like, who is that fooling? At that point, like, I'm just going to leave. I'm just pissed off. Yeah, I, I actually, one of my favorite bands is coming into town in a few months, and I went to look at tickets yesterday, and they were, like, 40 bucks. And I was like, oh, that's cheap. But hold on. Yeah. Is it actually going to be 40 No. I got to factor in that it's probably going to be 60 or 70 per ticket. And they, the I saw, I wish I still had it, but I saw a tweet the other day that, was like making fun of like the way that StubHub will like title the service fees. Mm -hmm. One of them was one of I them in the tweet. About. It's like, well, you've gone this far. What are you not going to buy it now? Fee. Yep. <laughs> Which is so true. Yeah, um, it's a that's all sham. That's a big sham. Uh, the one of the last ones I want to talk about in here, and I'm very far removed from this, but I just remember feeling like it was just such a hustle. Is college bookstores? Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> If you don't know about like Chegg and things like that, or if you didn't at the time, like I didn't my freshman didn't. year, um, those were like game changers. But I remember going to the campus bookstore. It's in like a, it's like in a shafty basement. Like that looks like it's from like Harry Potter <laughs> world or something like that. And uh, yeah, I think I bought four books and dropped like over $600. And then when you bring them back at the end of the semester, they're worth like 80 bucks. And then they turn around and sell them for $400 each the next day it's, it's quite literally uh i think the campus bookstore and gamestop are owned by the same management company because they're they're shamming you on anything that you bring back and i think it's the guy who's the villain in inspector gadget where you never see his face and he operates in a dark layer and just oh, you see his a creepy hand over the side yes and there's always like a strike of lightning when the camera goes to him <laughs> One last thing, sorry, I know we were going to jump off this, but I, I was going through your list. Another one that I found that is just insane, and when I was talking about miscommunication for the purpose of someone purposely screwing up, is the fact that we have to calculate our own taxes 
yeah. for the government when they already know what we should pay. And then if you screw it up, there's penalties for it. Yeah. It's like, I, what are we doing? <laughs> I think if they have access to everyone's account information, which obviously they do because they were sending us the stimulus checks and things like that, how hard is it to just send us a message that says, send me this X amount of money or we owe you X amount of money? Right. But whatever. What do so, I know? So the one that I found that I wanted to talk about was kind of similar to yours. This was a Reddit thread, uh, and the title was, The World Would Be 100 Times Better Without This. What is it? This is from Ask Reddit. Now, obviously, it's a bit hyperbolic, like 100 times. We're not really going to be able to quantify this. Um, a lot of the ones I found were like ailments, like lower back pain and kidney mm-hmm. stones. But Lance, I came up with a few that I want your thoughts on. Some of these are pop culture related. And if you're at home listening and you have a completely different opinion than this, that's fine. But I'm willing to die on these hills. The first one is the Big Bang Theory. Um, yes. Uh, so it's it's ironic because, you know, like we said earlier, I'm such a fan of like 90s sitcoms. But now if I hear anything that has a laugh track on it. Oh, my God. I can't I, I can't even fathom watching it. Have it's, we watched the YouTube video where they take like a two-minute scene from the Big Bang Theory and remove the laugh track. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it's... It is haunting. It's, yeah. <laughs> like It's, it's damaging how awful it is. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And you almost wonder, like, how do these actors do it? Because I don't think they have a studio audience, right? They just dub it in afterwards? Yeah. I have to imagine that they're not doing that live. Well, and if they had people live, like, would you find people to actually laugh at that? I don't know. Maybe if you, if you paid them enough and gave them lunch. I don't know. I just imagine the old-school, like, light-up sign that still says... Laugh, applause, clap. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my, we're just like puppets here. The second thing, and this is pretty topical. You and I talked about this uh, at brunch the other day, but the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. <laughs> that needs it's to so go. Spe- I mean, it's so specific. <laughs> it, it needs to. I was watching it on TV and like not on purpose. I was at a restaurant uh, and, and it came on. And so I obviously I couldn't change it. But I was like, this is just wrong. This is everything it's a microcosm of what's wrong with the world specifically yeah. our country it's a uh, yeah putting gluttony on the the center stage right and i mean you, like i'm not going to get on the hill of like what's in hot dogs but like what they are doing to their colons and you're just watching it happen <laughs> <laughs> maybe the guy that stormed the stage this year was just trying to like save lives it's like, are we really going to act like that guy dunking that hamburger bun in water and lemonade and then shoving it down his pie hole is really normal? And in, in my head, I like to think that the way they train is they don't eat hot dogs. They eat something else. Because if Joey Chestnut at all habitually ate 50 hot dogs in a sitting, there, I mean, it really troubles me to think about that. They actually used to have, this will date me again, I think it was, do you remember True Life on MTV? Oh, yeah. I think they did a true life, but they did it with Kobayashi. And if you guys aren't familiar with Kobayashi, that's the Michael Jordan of competitive eating back in the yep. day. And uh, they talked about what he used to do. And apparently he used to train his stomach. He would he would pour in like gallons of water to help stretch it so he could eat more food. Because the weird thing is bigger people never do well at the eating competitions. Like, no, it's it's always like a little like gangly looking like. Kobayashi's yeah. what, probably five foot four, 115 pounds whenever he was doing it. He was the one who first came up with like the wiggle to like mm-hmm. wiggle, right? Wiggle the hot dogs down. Other people have since copied that. 
Kobayashi had a very rough fall from grace. After he was dethroned, I think a few years later, he stormed the stage. Yes. And it was just a sad moment. And he was, like, flexing and all that stuff. It was really good. Yeah, past his prime, sadly. <laughs> I have two more real quick. I don't know if they still make this car, but the PT Cruiser. Do you remember that car? <sighs> yes. Basically a glorified hearse. And when it yep. came out, man, people were like, bro, have you seen this car? And I'm like, yeah, what, like, what is the appeal? Also, it always comes in weird colors, like a dark maroon or i just don't get it i have actually a pretty good pt cruiser story um my ex-girlfriend the very first girlfriend i ever had when i was in high school um her dad was going out to buy her a car and he was like is there any car that you want specifically and she said anything but a pt cruiser and i think all he heard was (laughs) pt cruiser yes let's see where this is going (laughs) so she bought or he bought her a black pt cruiser and you're talking about looking like a hearse yes that is a hearse. but to make it even weirder, he was like, oh, you don't like it? And she was like, no, this isn't the car I wanted. And he was like, oh, we can spruce it up. They put like 17-inch chrome rims on it and stuff. It was a sight to be seen. That's like Pimp My Ride where like he exhibit comes and adds all these bells and whistles, but it's to a crap car. <laughs> it's like you're we, hear you, we hear you like hot dogs. <laughs> you got a hot dog maker in your trunk now. Oh, yeah. Now the battery's <laughs> going to die one hour into using it. But... <laughs> Then the last one I had, and I hate to pile on because these guys one have more. been destroyed, is the band Nickelback. Okay. Uh, all right. So I actually saw this yesterday, and I was thinking about it. And it was one of those things that was like, what's a, a opinion you have that'll start a fight or start an argument? And someone said, Nickelback isn't actually the worst band in the world. And when I was sitting there thinking about it, I was like, you know, would, would I rather listen? I'll ask you. Would you rather listen to Nickelback? Let's say Nickelback on loop for an hour. Or would you less, rather listen to Creed on loop for an hour? Nickelback. Yeah, same. Yeah. Like, 100%. I can't Can I change it to Creed then? Because I forgot about Creed. It's got to be Creed, right? Like, <laughs> Scott Staff with... Oh, We're blind man ski. Scott Staff, I think, last I heard as kind of gone off the deep end i believe he recorded some video from like a hotel room thinking people were like out to get him or kidnap him or something i think i think you're right not to kick him while he's down but the music is garbage my uh a guy i used to work with in new york city called bands like nickelback the the genre of their music butt rock (laughs) It, it, it is i think they actually like they've embraced that i think that they actually have like a oh what's what's the music one that they have done like 87 of them of now, now that's, that's what, what I call, I call music. I think yeah, I think they have a now that's what I call butt rock. I mean it's really? just like nickelback and like butt cherry. Well, that's my afternoon. Know what like I'll be doing the rest Kinder of the day. Kinder and all those <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> lips of an angel. Mm. God taking me back there. <laughs> I'll find a Spotify playlist and send it over to you after this. Thank God. I that's what I need in my life. Exactly. All right, guys, that will do it for episode one of Teachers by Day. Lance, before we let the people go, any closing words of wisdom you want to leave them with? No, we appreciate you guys taking a listen. Hopefully we're giving you a perspective of teachers and help normalize the fact that uh, we're not all, I mean, if you're a teacher and your kids see you out in public, you know what we're talking about, where they think that you literally do not exist in the wild. Um, so hopefully yeah. we're helping give a perspective that we're human beings. We have real things and real interest outside of teaching. So we appreciate you guys taking a listen. Uh, definitely. I, I ran into one of my students at the mall this summer. I was going to see a movie and they looked at me like, you're not working on lesson plans. 
you eat and entertain yourself? I was like, yeah, man. And have a have a spouse? What are you doing yeah, out here? What? Who's not also a teacher? Which some, a lot of people have spouses that are teachers. That's fine. But when you don't, they're like another human being. Who? Did, how did you interact with them? Mm-hmm. Outside of the classroom. Factual. All right. Thank you guys again for checking out Teachers by Day. We're brand new. So the places you can find us right now are a little limited. But we're anywhere you can get your audio podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Maybe we'll create some social media account at some point. Twitter, Instagram. I'm not sure. Lance and I need to talk about it. Uh, if you have any questions or if you just want to send us something, you can email us teachersbyday at outlook.com all spelled normal till next time we will see you guys out in the wild 